right, it's all downhill from here. Uh, if, you, if you're a kid and you didn't make it to the stage, you can uh, head, head over to uh, the kids' ministry this morning. But let me pray as we move into uh, just into God's Word. Happy Easter. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, this moment where we gather together as the body of Christ. Some of us come from places uh, all over the place, and as we gather in this gymnasium, uh, we just pray that you would go before us to draw our attention and affections to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that uh, you are risen. You are risen indeed. And uh, as we move now into a time to study your word, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. Give us uh, attentiveness uh, to dive deep into your scriptures. So we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Andrew took my opening line. I think he might have read my notes in the sermon uh, Slack channel that we have, but he is risen. And this is when you're, this is a, you're supposed to say, if you, so now I knew what kind of church you grew up in, right? So you kind of identified yourself. So the churches that I grew up in, we would say, he is risen, and then the whole congregation would say, he's risen indeed. So you want to do it again? We'll start the podcast over so we look like we know what we're doing, okay? He is risen he is risen indeed. What a great day. Uh, you know, it was supposed to rain, and it hasn't yet, and uh, just a beautiful day to be together. And uh, today is a really special day, not just because it's Easter. Uh, we're, we're also doing baptism, so it's not, we don't have water for your horses. Um, that's how we have to do baptisms here, because we meet in a gymnasium, if you haven't seen the basketball goals. So if you're new here, um, welcome. I'm Stephen. I'm one of the elders, and um, I'm also kind of new here, too. So there's a support group after um, we'll meet in one of the back rooms. So uh, I just want to say how thankful I am uh, for this church. And uh, we've been, my family uh, just celebrated our baby's two-year uh, birthday, and that's kind of the marker for us, that we've been at the branch for uh, two years. And I've been uh, leading kind of as the lead pastor for three weeks. So happy Easter um, as we kind of step into this. And so if you're, if you're new, though, on behalf of the elders and the deacons and all the leaders and the church, the members, all the people who call the branch their home, welcome. Uh, this is a great church, and God is doing some, some mighty things. And so if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and flip over to Matthew chapter 28. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to move from Good Friday. Uh, if you were here on Friday, we, we really left in silence. Uh, we left with the weight, the magnitude of death. So we're going to start there, and then we're going to end with joy and triumph uh, as we move through God's Word. So if you have your Bible, it's in Matthew chapter 28, and we'll come there in just a second. But I, I think it's important as we move from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, in this waiting period from Jesus' death to his resurrection, it appears that God has gone silent. And I think it's important for us to remember that in God's silence, he's never absent, okay? And so whatever you're walking through, whatever, and we're going to come around this a lot today, but whatever, wherever, you're, wherever you are in life, whatever weight you're carrying, if, he, if you feel like God is silent in your life, he's not absent from you. That is what he's promised us in his word. His silence is never absence. And so what I want to do today is I want to start with the story of death the cycle of death, and we'll lay this out through God's Word, starting with fear and failure and shame. Then there's this thing called life, and then we die. 
That is the cycle of the human life. I don't know if you've ever thought about your death. I, I don't think about my death often. I'm 36, and so I'm still, like, immortal, right? I still think I've I got young kids who think I'm Superman. And so most days I wake up thinking, like, ain't nothing taking me out except for that chicken truck. You know, that might get me, okay? Um, I run a good bit, and when I run down Green Street, if I see a chicken truck coming, I'm in trouble. And uh, so that, at this point, is the only thing I feel like is going to take me out. And if it did, it would be quick and uh, see Jesus in an instant covered in feathers. But that's not a good death. That's not a good way to go out, okay? But I, if you've ever had your life kind of flash before your eyes, have you ever had those moments where you just like, your breath is taken away? I'm going to share two instances in my life, and uh, some of them are kind of comical, but I think they shed light on, on what God is doing in this moment from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. When I was 14, I was a baseball player. Okay? I played baseball through college. And, uh, but when I was 14, I'm moving now into my freshman year in high school, and the football coach comes to me and says, son, I think you should play football. And I'm like, let's do it. You know, and I'm like this tall. I'm not much bigger than my son, Braden, who's on the front. And I weighed like 120 pounds, and we were terrible. Okay? And so I got to play, which you think was awesome. Freshman, getting to play. It was terrifying. Okay, never played before, and I returned punts. All right, the very first punt I returned, the gunner on the side was a defensive end who signed to play at Clemson. Okay, and here I am, 14, I'm about this tall, I, my pads weigh more than I do, and they kick it, right? And uh, I panicked. Like, you know, in football, you have the safety net of waving your hand like this, and then they're not allowed to hit you. Well, when a 6'4", 280-pound man comes running at you, barking like a dog, you wave with both hands, okay? And that's what I did. And in a moment, my life flashed before my eyes. Now, it's kind of funny, but it was. I was literally terrified, shaking to the point of like, I don't want to do this anymore. They can't hit you in baseball. Not like that, okay? I was going to take up golf or tennis or something. But in an instant, as a 14-year-old, I had this overwhelming feeling of like, I'm scared. Fear set in. Fast forward uh, maybe eight years or so, I'm playing in college, we're on the road, I was a center fielder, okay, and uh, we're playing on the road, and so I'm on a field that I'm not familiar with, a field that doesn't have a warning track. A warning track is like a fair catch, okay, when you play center field, that way you know when you're about to die, okay? So I'm running back, balls hit deep, and I'm going over my glove shoulder. I'm not looking at the wall because I don't ever look at the wall, I'm looking at the ball, and I'm tracking it, and uh, there's no warning track. I jump, try to make the catch, did you hear what I said? I tried to make the catch. It hits right in the web of my glove. It's something I'm used to. I take one step, hit the fence, big 10-foot fence with a 5-foot steel crossbar, put my chin right on the crossbar. I'm out. Like, boom. Okay? I failed. I wake up, come to, the guy's just circling the base. I think he lapped it like three times, okay? And the ball's sitting there at my face. My chin's bloody. I'm just nasty. And I was out. And that was it. I had to go, you know, on a way trip, they have somebody to keep you awake, right? When you have a concussion, you're not allowed to fall asleep. But I had failed. So these two stories where my life had flashed before my eyes, there's fear and there's failure. Both of those, as a 14-year-old and as a 19-year-old, led to shame. I should have caught it. I should have tried to return now, these are silly stories about sports, right? But we all have those moments where we look at our life and we imagine, how am I going to die? The fence didn't kill me. Carlos Bates didn't kill me. Something eventually will. And I think the offer today, the story of the gospel, 
is those aren't the death that we deserve. We're not going to die in fear. If you're in Christ, you're not going to die in fear, and you're not going to die in failure because there's one who's come to triumph over fear and one who's come to take on failure, and he took, in doing so, he took on our shame. This is the good death, and you and I have been invited to share in it. So let's read. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 10. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. Verse 6, He is not here, for He has risen. And He said, Come, see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See, I have told you. Verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Christian church talks a lot about faith. and The Bible gives us a very clear definition of what faith is. Faith is the belief in things not seen. Okay? The things that our eyes haven't seen. You can be assured that I'm here today. The way that I guarantee that is I wore a very bright green jacket. I'm here. I'm real. I don't wear this every Sunday if you're new. Okay? I promise. But I'm real. Faith is the belief in the things that we have not seen yet. And what does Jesus say? Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Their faith was becoming real. I think when we come to an empty tomb, we have to do something with it. The disciples did this in other gospel accounts. We see uh, Mary and uh, Martha, they're running, they're there first, and then the disciples, like only the disciples can do, they come late, okay? And, and Peter, who's one of the ones that Jesus loved, right? He's kind of one of three that were on the inner circle of Jesus's inner circle, and they come running, and I can just imagine how this is going. Is beat, Peter got beat. Somebody beat Peter to the tomb. And he's trying, he's running as fast as he can to catch up, and he's like, where is he? Where is he? Peter, the same one who had denied him just 72 hours before. When we come to an empty tomb, we cannot walk away unchanged. Peter is the reason that we are here today. He is the rock that Christ builds his church. All of human history, all of it, hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. From the beginning, 
When sin entered the world and God's people were sent out of the garden, they had been clawing back into the garden, unable to make it. They were looking forward, through God's word, to a coming Messiah. Jesus comes, he is the Messiah, and now he is gone. He is dead, and he is alive. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now we wait. We worship, and we wait. This is exactly what they were doing before Christ came. They were worshiping, and they were waiting. But it is the resurrection that we all, it's the hook. The resurrection is the hook. It's what they were looking forward to. It's what we're looking back to. And we look back with a great hope that he's going to come back one day, and all the broken stuff gets fixed. The message of the gospel is not live a good life, die, and go to heaven. It's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that while we were still sinners, Christ died. The good news of the gospel is he didn't stay dead. Bob Goff wrote, uh, he's written a few books, but he wrote a book in, in, uh, in one of the books, I can't remember which one it was, he wrote this, and I love this quote and I come back to it often. He says that death has a way of always looking like it's going to win, right up until it doesn't. Can you imagine being one of Jesus' now 11, because one had fallen away, being one of his boys, and as Jesus hangs on the cross on Good Friday, and he breathed his last, and they poke his side with the spear, and water and blood pours out, and he is dead, dead. There was no life left in him. His heart had stopped beating. There was no blood piercing through his veins. He was dead. And the disciples must have been gripped by fear that this Messiah has failed. And they leave not knowing what is going to happen, but Jesus has reminded them over and over and over and over and over again that in three days, three days, I will rebuild this temple. And he did it. He did it. On the third day, he rose. And so we go from this cycle of death, which is fear, failure, and shame, and life, and death, and we die, and that's it, to now a new cycle, a cycle of life that begins with Jesus. It's a cycle of love, death, and then life. You see how he takes everything and he puts it upside down. That's why we oftentimes talk about the kingdom of God as an upside-down kingdom. The last are now first. Jesus, as he began his ministry in in Matthew chapter 5, goes through what we've uh, come to know as the Beatitudes. Do you know the Beatitudes? Blessed is he who, blessed is he who, blessed is he who. And throughout his life, he ensures that those promises of the Beatitudes are fulfilled. Every step he takes, every miracle he performs, and the greatest miracle is his death and resurrection. It is why we are here. You see, the death of Jesus wasn't the death of life. It wasn't the death of God. It wasn't the death of our hopes or dreams. It was the, it was the death of death. It was the death of our enemy, the one who perversed our way, his way into the garden and cast us out. It was death of the Shame that we bear when we know that we're living in light of the world and not in light of an empty tomb. It's death of the, I need one more. You ever been there? I need just one more. One more drink, one more hit, one more click, one more something. 
It's the death of that. It's the death of death. There are three things I want us to rest in today. The first is the resurrection gives purpose to our existence. And not just our existence as a church, but our existence as a man and as a woman. Your purpose is found in the resurrection of Jesus. If he had not risen, the church would have died the moment he cried out, it is finished. There would be no axe. There would be no branch. The second thing is the resurrection gives direction to our identity. You are a child of God, created in the image of a perfect and loving Father. By the power of the Spirit, through the work of the Son, this is who we are. So you can be rest assured that your identity isn't the thing that you think is keeping you from knowing Jesus. He died for that too. The resurrection gives direction to our identity. The third thing, we don't usually do three points if you're new to the branch. This is something that we're doing just because I have a blazer on, okay? The resurrection, the third, the resurrection gives hope to our mission. If you've been around, we kind of been leaning into that over the last couple weeks as we take on this new chapter as a church. Our mission is that we make disciples who make disciples. This is what Jesus said. He said, go therefore, baptize them, which we're going to do in just a minute, and teach them all that I have commanded. That is our job. But it's the resurrection that gives us hope. Because here's the reality. No matter, how, no matter how good the sermon is, no matter how good the music is, no matter how good the family group or how good the kids thing, there's nothing that we can do to save you. Nothing. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself either. So the resurrection gives hope to our mission. One of my favorite lines in all of the Bible is captured perfectly in Luke. And on Good Friday, we walk through basically all of Luke 23. In Luke 24, there's a declaration question that says, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Let's go back to Peter. Peter's the one I'm imagining is last there, right? I want to think that Peter's like, he's not here! He's the one who declares it. He's probably the one who peeks his head in the sea just to make sure. He's picking up the shroud that's folded up perfectly. He's making sure that he's not there. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Guys, we still ask that question. We come to things in our own life and we're seeking other things that just lead to death. Why do you seek the living? Those things are never going to give you life, ever. 36, immortal, I know what kills me. And just like Paul, sometimes I choose those things, but I'm forgiven because of the resurrection, through the resurrection. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Here's the, the grand takeaway. We're going to start landing the plane, closing out this Easter Sunday. The crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, it's more than a de declaration of where Jesus is. It is a proclamation of who we are because he really is who he said he is. The tomb's still empty today. The stone stayed open. The most powerful statement in the entire Bible. If you don't have one, there's one on the corners here and you can take it with you if you need to. But 
It is, he is alive. We're journeying through Exodus. We're about to start next week. And we kind of did a primer on Genesis in order to get ready for Exodus. And one of my favorite statements, and I've said this before, is when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That is awesome. It's not quite as awesome as he is alive. That's awesomer. Because if he's alive, then he is the God who will be the God of his people and we will be his people. Do you get it? You can also say, yeah, or amen, or anything. It's Easter. I will be their God and they will be my people. Listen to 1 Peter. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In my Bible, there's an exclamation mark there, so let me reread it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're not just saved from something. Listen to what it says. To an inheritance that is, listen to these things, imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. And it's preserved. It's kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He's coming again. He is. That's why we keep doing this. Next Sunday, we're going to do Easter again. You're invited. Every Sunday, every time we're together, we're going to talk and sing and celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection because we still need him to come back. That's what he's promised us. It's in that moment when all things are made new. Tears are wiped away. The baptism's a real baptism. All things made new. So I want to encourage you, if the branch isn't your home, it's a good church. There are a lot of good churches. Find one who's willing to preach that. Not just on Sundays, but in their community groups. We call ours family groups because we believe life is lived best as family. We need each other as brothers and sisters. Find a church who's faithful to God's word will point you through fear, through failure. They'll take on your shame and point you to a resurrected Savior. That is Easter. Amen? Amen. As I close, we, we close all of our services basically the same way. Today's going to be a little bit unique if you're good with that. It's too late. We've already planned it, so we're going to do it. We're going to take communion. And as we take communion, right before we do that, uh, I'm going to call six people up who found new life in Jesus over the course of the last number of days, weeks, months, who are going to be baptized. And we're going to pray over them as a church. And, we, and even if this isn't your church home and you're a believer, you're going to pray over them too, okay? Because we are one church. It's the A singular body of Christ, okay? And as they come up, we're going to pray over them. We're going to dismiss them to go put on their bathing suits, okay? And we're going to just rest in an empty tomb and we're going to hope in the things still yet unseen. We've seen death. We've seen resurrection. Now we just need him to come back.
And as you go to the table today, and you take the bread and you dip it in the cup, we're longing. Would you just say it? Lord, would you come quickly? Lord, would you come quickly? Lord, would you come quickly? Because as he comes, when he comes, all things are made new. So, uh, Holden, will you come on up? This is Holden Martin, Hector Santana. Jackson, where's Jackson? Jackson Curie. Liam Burke. All right. Lawrence Prees. And Bella Robin. This is why we do what we do. This is why we come together as a church week after week after week. It's for new life. And so what I want us to do is just, just spend a moment and just pray for them. Because their journey has just started. Life has just begun. So would you pray with me as we pray over them? Father, I thank you for this morning, a beautiful day, a beautiful time to gather as the body of Christ, a body that was beaten, broken, bruised, a body that was poured out for us. So I thank you for new life. I thank you for the resurrection of Jesus and that through his resurrection, we also have a resurrection. And so I pray for these six. I pray that as they walk with you, that they would find brothers and sisters in their life who would hold them accountable, brothers and sisters who would keep pointing them to Jesus. As he declares, it is finished. There's nothing left for them to do. So would you give them that freedom today? God, we trust your word. And as we declare with baptism the gospel of Jesus Christ, we pray that it really would be the good news for the world that's never heard it. So I pray for Holden, I pray for Hector and Jackson, Liam, Lawrence, and Bella. What a gift to our church, what a gift to the body of Christ, what a gift for the kingdom, your kingdom. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you guys want to go ahead and change, we'll meet you outside in a little bit. I don't know if we should clap or not, it kind of feels like we should, I don't know. You know, it's one of the beautiful stories of the Christian church is like, we're not celebrating them at all. They've done nothing. Christ has done everything. And what a beautiful reminder on this day of what he has done. As we close and we move into a time of communion, I want to make you aware of just a, 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 one thing in particular, uh, because I need you to grab it on your way out. So if you're, if you're a brancher, right, if you're a part of the branch and you've been just longing for that Exodus study to kick off, we're going to do it next week, I swear. And you know how I know it? Because we have Exodus guides for you to take home with you uh, today. So would you grab one? You'll need it as we journey through Exodus. Um, but I want to do something really quickly because a lot of people spent a lot of time putting it together. So uh, if Andrew and Amanda, if you guys, I'm going to make you stand up. I know we didn't talk about this. Jared and Dylan are here. Lexi, I think, is uh, in the back uh, doing kids. She's the one who's really serving. Um, but these guys spent hours and hours and hours reading through, that's good, thank you, appreciate your work, 
uh, working through putting these binders together. So this is what it looks like. You'll know it's Exodus because it says Exodus on it. Um, and there's a, there's a letter from the elders in here of just what we're trying to go into. And uh, there's a reading guide, a sermon guide. There's a family discipleship guides, which is something new that we've never done before, something for you to take home, whether it's with your family or housemates or teammates or coworkers or whatever, just ways for you to kick off conversation that eventually are going to lead you to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. So would you take one? There are plenty to go around, um, and make sure you have it, because our family groups will start Exodus this week, okay? And we'll preach Exodus 1 uh, come Sunday. So I'm going to read now from uh, the Gospel of Mark as we move into our time of communion. Maybe not. Okay, this is Mark chapter 14. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. There's a day when we all get to participate in drinking it new in the kingdom Happy Easter. Happy Easter indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Just a beautiful day to be reminded of how great you are. To be reminded of all that you've done. To be reminded of freedom. To be reminded of life. To be reminded of your promise. As our kids sang to us and reminded us. What a gift. So we, now, as we go to the table, we pray that you would help us to remember the great links at which you have gone to bring us back to you. So we love you. We thank you for this church. We pray for the churches around the world today who are meeting. Pray that the resurrection of Jesus would be declared proudly and boldly with courage and conviction. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray in his beautiful name. Amen.